Again, welcome to Christ the King, whether you are joining us in person or online. It's good to be back. I've just been away for a month and uh, very grateful for that time. We are in a sermon series titled Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi. That is a Latin phrase, very important uh, in the history of the church, important now too. The phrase means how you worship or the order of worship actually informs your belief. The full phrase is Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivende. Uh, sounds like a something from uh, Olive Garden menu. The point uh, is that not only how you worship informs your belief, but it also affects your life. And this, the point is this, every church has a form of worship, we do, the Baptist on the street, the Lutherans, everybody has a form of worship. And subtly or not so subtly, consciously or subconsciously, how you worship, what you're doing right now, informs and shapes what you think of God. And that, of course, informs your life. So for the next, Four weeks, we started last week on, uh, we're going to break our service just into little bits and pieces. Last week, we looked at an aspect of our service. We gather humbly, all right? I think of our opening prayers. Almighty God, to you, all hearts are open. Uh, Lord, have mercy, Christ. We gather humbly. This Sunday, we are looking at another aspect of our service, and that is that we listen attentively. Listening is a big deal in the Bible, and we're going to look at one passage, the passage of the sower, which you just heard, which speaks about the importance of listening. We're going to see how that is reflected, that importance is a, a part of our service, and then we're going to think just very briefly about why listening is so important today in our world. So let us begin. The parable of the sower, very common uh, parable, probably not the first time you've heard it. It's a parable about communication. Communication always involves two things. It involves a speaker and it involves a listener. If you don't have one of those two things, then you cannot have claimed to have communicated. Uh, the word broadcast uh, comes from this parable. The sower broadcasts or casts broadly his seed, and some seed falls in various different places. Uh, broadcasting and reception, that is part of communication. And we're going to look at each of those parts, although uh, this, this parable is mainly about listening. We're going to look at those two parts of communication, speaking and listening. First, we're told that the sower goes and sows seeds. Uh, the seed is the word of God. Now, every religion, uh, Buddhists, Muslims, uh, whatever religion is all based upon the premise that God or something has broken in and has revealed himself or revealed themselves to their creation. And that is certainly true of, of Christianity. Christianity is underpinned by this belief that our God speaks. How does God speak? Great question. You'll see in your sermon notes, I identify three ways in which God speaks. God speaks first, foremost, most uh, basic form of communication from God to us is through his creation. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the stars manifest his handiwork, is, which basically means that God's creation says something about his, himself. It says something about the creator. Every piece of art says something about the artist. We just, as I said, wrapped up a trip out west. Uh, we were visited four national parks. Uh, we made it to the base camp of Mount Rainier. I'm happy to regale you of stories of, uh, of, that, uh, of that hike. It's hard to be an atheist on the top of Mount Rainier. 
we weren't at the top, but we were pretty darn high. Uh, but you break above the clouds and you see uh, out in the distance, you see Mount Hood. Uh, to the right, you see Mount St. Helens with half of its side still lost from the volcano of a few decades ago. And it is just stunning. I guess you could be an atheist. It's just hard. If I was not so worn out from exhaustion, I would have been tempted to break into that hymn, uh, O Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder, behold thy works and all thy hands have made. Then sings my, you just want to sing. God's creation speaks of him. First and most basic way. Second way that God speaks, he speaks not only through creation, he speaks through his revelation. When we say the word of God, what we are typically referring to is the Bible. And that's the Bible's description of itself. It is God's revelation. At special times and special, everyone can see creation. It doesn't require anything special. But our religion, Christianity, believes that God spoke to special ways, to special people. And they recorded what they was revealed to them. And the Bible is a compilation of just that. I, uh, someone wrote me a note, and just providentially, it had a verse that, on, on that note that really spoke to this from 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is the Bible's description of itself, that men spoke by God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's a dual authorship. Men writing but men writing as they're pushed along, blown along by the Spirit of God. Think of a ship. Two things required to steer a ship. One, you gotta have someone at the rudder. Two, you gotta have a wind behind you. And that's exactly how the Bible describes itself. It is written by authors who are carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what, that, what they wrote reveals God's characters, God's will, God's desires, right? Second way God reveals himself is through revelation. But you notice in this, uh, parable, we're told that the sower went out to sow the seed and the seed was the word of God. There are over 700,000 words in the word of God. Which exact word did you think the sower sowed? Ah, <laughs> great question. Do you think he sowed a preposition, a, and, or the, uh, no, I guess those weren't prepositions, were they? Um, conjunctions. Which word did he sow? Great question, because God spoke by a third and final and really the most declarative way. This is from uh, the book of Hebrews, we're told that God spoke in these last days. In the former days, he spoke by his prophets, but in the last day, he spoke by his son. And actually, in the, in the original language, it's even more stark than that. It says God spoke his son. No prepositions. He just spoke his son. And what that means is that God's character, his will, his love, his justice, his mercy, his grace is fully revealed in the life and the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And when the so, and if, a, if someone says to a preacher, boy, you preach the word, <laughs> they are probably meaning just that. You preach in such a way as to make Jesus clear. And that is likely what's being communicated. When the sower goes out to sow a seed, what seed is he sowing? He's sowing the seed, the word of God, which is that word that he spoke in the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ, who died for sinners. God speaks three different ways. His creation, his revelation, and third and final and most uh, clear, he spoke in his son. So, 
First part of communication is speaking. Second part of communication is listening. And I think you can tell by the weight of this parable that the real focus is on listening. We know very little about the sower. I've speculated about the content of the seed, but we're told a whole lot about the soil, the type of soil that we ought to be in order to be people who receive God's word. And so we're told what the good soil is by process of elimination. We're given three bad soils uh, that uh, are comparable to bad listening. I want to look at each one of those just very quickly. The bad soil. What is the bad soil and how does it relate to bad Some soil is so hard that it simply cannot receive the seed. That's verse 5. The seed is sown along a pathway. And as I write in your sermon notes, how does that relate to listening or hearing God's word? Some people are just so hard-hearted or so prideful that they can't hear. Some people are incapable of hearing, not because they lack intelligence, but simply because they lack humility. <laughs> I remember when I was uh, in youth ministry, uh, one of the kids in my youth ministry said a little prophetically, he said, David, you never ask any questions you don't know the answer to. <laughs> I thought, ow. <laughs> that's, the, that's the type of question that comes from someone who's too hard-hearted. It's like approaching the Bible and saying, yeah, got it don't really need to listen, don't really need to read. I've I, I re been there, done that. It's like coming to church and thinking of the preacher. Ah, know what you're going to say, been there, done that. That's the attitude of a hard heart or hard soil that cannot receive the word of God. So the word of God cannot grow in a hard heart any more than a seed can grow in hard soil. Second type of bad soil that relates to bad listening is Shallow soil, again, this is from verse 6. Some seed falls along the rock and grows up and then withers. And this correlates to some people who hear the word of God, receive it, plant sprouts up, but they have no root, and the root and the plant withers. So a friend of mine is a professor at Georgetown, and he said this. He said to his young students, and he teaches undergraduate for students going into a law degree, he says this, if you want to be successful in life, you need to learn the discipline to concentrate for two hours. If you can concentrate for two hours, you will succeed in life. Really? Do you think he's overstating the fact a little bit? I don't. What he's identifying is that the, the commodity that no one has and the commodity that will be of such value for your professional life is the ability to do what? Pay attention. <laughs> And you know just as well as I know the invasiveness of technology has, has muted our ability, or so truncated our ability to pay attention. It's always hard to pay attention. It's especially hard now. And that's why it's hard. you can tell it's hard to pay attention because there's so many reminders in the Bible of listen, listen, listen. Pay attention. If it was easy to pay attention, Jesus wouldn't be constantly telling us, pay attention. But you notice in the middle of the psalm, or the middle of the parable, he finishes the parable, and then he pauses, and in this passage says, he said in a loud voice, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen. Seed cannot grow in shallow soil, and we cannot hear God or really anyone else without depth, without paying attention. Third type of soil, 
that is unprofitable and which a seed cannot grow is a seed, the soil that is overcrowded. Verse 7 is the seed that's choked out by thorns. Uh, sometimes we cannot hear the word of God simply because there's so much, so many other things to hear. It's like white noise constantly in the background, right? And so you just can't hear because there's too much else to hear. The cares, the concerns, the pursuit of riches, as we're told, as Jesus explains the parable. Now think with me. There are some times when I do not need to be told to listen. If I was sitting with a, a financial advisor and the financial advisor said, Glade, you know, you need to be doing this with your resources in order to be financially secure, I'd be, I would hang on that person's words. If I was sitting with a school counselor for one of my children, and my school counselor said, your children is, child is troubled, but here I have a way that, that will help them through their, whatever their trouble is. I would hang on their word. I would value what they said. And we frankly, we just don't approach God's word with that same valuation. The seed cannot grow into a mature plant if it's constantly fighting for air with the riches and the concerns and the cares of the world. The word of God cannot take root and mature if it is not similarly valued. And so, what does good listening look like? What does it look like to be the type of soil in which the word of God can grow? It is this, that we must be humble enough to listen, disciplined enough to pay attention, and wise enough to value what you hear. And that's what the good soil is. It is humble enough to receive the word, it is disciplined enough to pay attention, and it is wise enough to value it above every other care of the world. So my question is, all right, pastor, I get it. Listening is important, but listening is really hard. How can I become a better listener? Great question. I'm so glad you asked it because what you're doing right here and now is preparing you to be a better listener. Remember what we've said that what, what we do in worship shapes and informs your faith and what you're doing in church helps you become a better listener. There are very few other places and times in your life when you are required to do what you are to do, you're doing right now, which is just listen. Maybe if you're a student uh, listening to a lecture, you have to do what you're doing right now. In all other pursuits of life, you don't have to listen, but you do now. You are training yourself to listen. You know, you don't have to listen as much as you used to listen. Look at your sermon notes. I include a uh, a reference from uh, Thomas Cramner, who was the archbishop, and uh, he gave a piece of advice to Hugh Latimer, who was preaching to Queen Anne and King Henry VIII, and Cramner said this, please don't preach longer than an hour and a half, because the king and the queen shall have small delight to continue throughout with you to the end. One hour and a half. In the olden days, we have this lectionary that goes through the scriptures. In the olden days, the book of Romans, not a small book, was read over three weeks. So Sunday, verses, chapters one through five. Next Sunday, five through 10, six through 10. That's five chapters. And you'd just be sitting there listening. Now we read five verses and you're probably thinking, okay, I've, I've got enough, right? You are required to listen. And friends, I know it's hard. Uh, whenever we are not here on a Sunday, we try to worship. My family, my, my wife, hates worshiping with me because I get so darn fidgety. I hope you are a better listener to me than I am when someone else is preaching. Uh, 
Granted, we went to a non-denominational church, and it was about a 45-minute sermon, but it's just hard to listen. My, my kids have confessed that the way that they pass the time is they count the number of red panels in the, in the stained glass. Don't, don't count the panels. <laughs> How should you approach worship? Think of it as a training ground for your soul, a training ground to help you be the type of faithful Christian that you need to be, the type of Christian who listens. And that means you should come to church how? Humbly. Speak, Lord. Right, from our Old Testament passage, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Regardless of the person in the pulpit, regardless of the passages being read, speak, Lord, I'm humble enough to hear. Attentiveness. We should attend to God's word. Yes, your mind's going to wander. Yes, you'll probably be tempted to count the number of red panels. It's part of life. But do your best to draw your attention back to what the preacher, what the passage is saying. Attend. Third, value. Be wise enough to, when I pronounce the good news of Jesus Christ who died to save sinners like you and me, I'm telling you something more valuable than the best advice an investment banker could give. This is the salvation of your soul and it is of immense value. Learn to value it. Lex credendi, your beliefs are shaped by what you do in worship and what you do and worship requires you to listen and it is good for the soul and finally it is good for the world. One of the things that you and I can offer to the world as followers of Jesus Christ is the ability to listen. I think it is just a rare commodity. I don't think, I know. It is a rare commodity. We want commentary. We don't want to listen. But just think of how healthy your marriage would be if you listened to them the same way that Jesus is, is instructing us to listen to God's word. Just think if we listened humbly to our spouse. Just think if we attended to our spouse. Just think if we valued what our spouse said. Oh my gosh. Like, I would be out of a job in marriage counseling. Just think of how healthy your neighborhood would be if you listened humbly to what they said, if you attended, actually paid attention, put down the phone, paid attention, and valued it. Think of your place of work. If you're a co-worker, the people who work for you, uh, the people you work for, if you were humble enough to listen, disciplined enough to attend, wise enough to value what they said. So let me summarize as we come to a close. Lex credinde, lex orandi, lex vivinde. What you do in worship shapes your belief, it shapes your faith, and it shapes your life. Listening, our world needs it. Your worship, what you're doing right now encourages it. Finally, your faith requires it. And our faith requires us to listen because, back to point number one, we must be the type of people who listen because we believe that God is the type of God who speaks. He spoke in his word. He speaks in his creation. And he speaks to us through the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ, who died for you and me.
Oh God, give us ears to hear. Help us be the type of listener that's reflected in that good soil, humble, attentive, and wise enough to value what is being said by you and by others. Amen.